Welcome to Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that's discussing issues and hot topics influencing the pagan world from a millennial perspective. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone. And in studio today, we have Tasha with us. Hello. Hi there. So, uh, real quick, it's our first uh, first show back from the Yule season. How'd it go? Welcome 2020. Yes. Yay. Still no Barbara Walters, though. I'm a little grumpy about that. I, I saw a compilation on YouTube. Okay. So, somebody literally took just about every single instance of her going 2020 throughout the years. Uh-huh. And she says it the exact same every single time from her first show to her last. She practiced that. Oh, yeah. That, that was planned. <laughs> she could just pop it out. Anyway, so um, how was your Yule? It was it was good. Uh, it was actually pretty relaxed, pretty chill. Um, we really didn't didn't do too much for for Christmas or New Year. We just decided to actually stay in and and relax. And of course, we had our uh, Yule uh, gathering with uh, AZ reclaiming, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was pretty pretty fun, pretty nice. Awesome. So, and if you guys haven't gone and seen the pictures, we were actually invited to be a part of Witchcrafted, a craft uh, fair by pretty much pagans of the area. And Jared got himself all dolled up as the Santa Odin. Yes. And the pictures are awesome. Yeah. And thank you for everybody who's, uh, who's new listeners from that. Um, people who've actually like, like posted pictures, you know, we mm-hmm. love, we love seeing that stuff and just thank you. F- not, not just for listening to us now, but also for making witchcraft. It's such a huge event. So unexpected. Like oh, we did man. not expect that big of a turnout. The place was so packed. Like I'm pretty sure there was at least like 500 people through the door within the first hour. Uh, yes. No, I totally agree yeah. with you. Totally. 100%. So Tasha, how was your you? Um, it was quiet. Um, most of my Yules are less quiet, but I'm in the process of moving. So uh, we put our boots out in an empty apartment uh, in in the process of moving. But it was really, really nice. And uh, it was just a very, very uh, modest is the best word for mm-hmm. it um, this year. Sometimes those are the best. Yeah. yeah. So I actually went to um, the Grove of the Rising Phoenixes ritual, which was uh, open with the Irish Cultural Center's Yule or Winter Solstice celebration. Mm. Um, And a lot of my friends remarked on how they had to like tone down the paganism because of it being open to the Irish Cultural Center as well. Um, But it was a nice little um, gathering. Um, it, It filled the need. Of a, a Yule ritual, for sure. I got to see some friends, and it was nice. That's good. The, the Grove is really good about being inclusive. I have mm-hmm. gone to several of their rituals, and will probably continue to take part in the future. Um, they they are just very, very awesome people. I think the woman's name is Michelle. Um, I can't remember her name specifically, but she's always just very welcoming. I think you're right, yeah, because I was surprised she remembered my name. I mean, I've seen her at a few different events, but when I went to go leave, she was like, Bye, Autumn, sorry we couldn't talk. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know you knew my name. (laughs) Hello, (laughs) hello, and goodbye. 
So, well, we asked Tasha to come over for a very important discussion that I have been gearing to have since we started this whole entire thing. And I know Jared has been itching at it yes. as well. Ditto. And that is heathenry. And the reason why it took so long was because I wanted to find just the right person. And I have skimmed over, sadly, only skimmed over your blog, which is called The Ancient Tradition or Ancient Traditions for Modern Heathens. So you guys can go check that out. We'll repeat that again at the end of the show. And um, when we talked, we met at Pagan Pride. I was like, all right, this is the person that I know will cover what I want to cover and how I want to cover it. Um, not saying that I'm, I'm, cu- I'm hiding things from y'all, but we, me and Jera both have a lot of heathen esque things in our own personal traditions and our yeah. own personal beliefs so we wanted to do it right we wanted to do it and touch on some sensitive areas on it correctly so we're just gonna go ahead and dive into tasha's um coming of witch story yeah so my coming of witch story i was raised in a traditionally catholic home um, until about the age of like six or seven, where we stopped going to church, but my mom still wanted us to go to uh, CCD, which I still couldn't tell you what I learned from there. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, uh, everybody in the room goes right. <laughs> yes, um, it was really uh, around the time when I was about eleven or twelve when I started questioning those beliefs for myself. Um, particular because, particularly because of traumatic events that were happening in my life at that point. And I got to, I kind of came to the conclusion that there, I, there were no answers in Christianity for me. And so I started doing a lot of research into a bunch of different religions. Um, I looked into Buddhism. I looked into Wicca, uh, just across the board tried to find um i even read the Tao, which was a very dry read but it was a very respectful like it was a very respectable spirituality it just wasn't quite for me um and then i had kind of settled into to wicca because that's what felt the truest to me at the Mm -hmm. time um in which i ran into someone her name is lisa she is the she's from alabama and her family is actually descendant of priestesses in the pagan uh the alabama pagan community um but because of her influence in my life i re- she really encouraged me to learn and grow to continue to to find answers for myself i still was not quite satisfied and so I still kind of did a lot of back and forth into different um, areas of paganism Um, even going back to Christianity at one point after my son was born to just try to see if hey maybe the answers weren't there before but maybe maybe they're there now Um, until I kind of settled back into paganism because once again Christianity uh, failed me again um, after the death of my second son Um, and so I started doing a lot more research, and I met this individual. Um, I don't know if he would want me to say his name, so I'll just leave him nameless at this point. Um, and he introduced me to he- heathenry, um, although at the time uh, he, I, he self-identified as Ossetru, which is one of the branches of heathenry, um, which just means to to be true to the Assyr gods. Um, but I prefer the the more umbrella term of heathenry. 
um, just because it's a little more inclusive than just the Asir. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time when I was doing some research with him, we ended up doing a Samhain ritual um, and he wanted his gods included. And I was going through a really, really huge block at that point. Um, I'm a healer by nature. And so I just, I couldn't practice. There there was something blocking me. And so during this, this Samhain ritual, um, he invited his gods in. And I had this, uh, I'm going to call it uh, my calling, um, most people would say that Odin called them to the, to the spirituality or Thor, but, um, consequently the, the person who called to me was Hel, Hela, um, depending on your dialect and, and what you prefer to call her. Um, and it was honestly probably the most intense experience that I have ever had in the, in my uh, spirituality as a whole. And so ever since that time, I kind of have just become heathen. Um, and it's kind of become an embodiment of who I am as a person. Um, it, and then the more research I did on it, the more it just fit. It is not a, it's not a druidic spirituality. It is a warrior spirituality. Um, it, it is very much about community and strength and, and the pursuit of wisdom, which is so important to me as a person. Um, I, my favorite thing to say is if I am not learning something, I'm wasting my time. And so the spirituality really just calls to me on such a personal level. And then I found out that I was Swedish and then I was just like, okay, cool. So this all just kind of fits in really well. (laughs) Um, especially with the whole ancestor veneration portion of heathenry. Right. So that's that's kind of my coming of coming of which story. Um, I was kind of a part of a kindred for a while, but I kind of um, separated from them when I started pursuing uh, the. I don't really want to call it title uh, or position, but I decided to become Volvastav, um, and. Traditionally, the Volvastav does not have a kindred because they need to be objective when called upon for to deal with like kindred politics. So I I consider myself a solitary standalone heathen because of it. What is the title of Volvastav? So a uh, Volvastav um, is a woman. Historically, uh, she is very highly respected in all heathen and Scandinavian communities. Um, if the vulva comes to your house, the, the Lord of the house, uh, will give up the high seat to the vulva stav so that he does not, um, disrespect her. Uh, she's called upon to be a judge. Um, she is also a, typically a say the worker, and so she works heavily within the web of weird and has a very close relationship with the Norns, um, which is Ur the Verdandian Skald. Um, and they kind of are the, I, believe, I think the Greeks would refer to them as the fates. Mm-hmm. Um, what I kind of like about the Norns is uh, a lot of people view them as past, peasant, pra- past present, and future, um, whereas the heathen 
uh, or more more particularly the Volvostov view on it is what is um, what was what is and what is owed. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily about what's going to be in the future. It's what do you owe for what you have now. Um, so that's kind of resonates more strongly with me than than what is in the future. Right. I never really thought to look at look at it that way. That's actually it's actually kind of interesting. I, I kind of want to read more into that. Yeah, it's um, it was really confusing at first um, because when you actually start looking into the translations of their names, it really does. Tra- uh, Scold actually does really translate out um, into what is owed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like understanding that uh, you you aren't guaranteed a future of success or hardship. It's you, you owe the Norns for what you have in this current moment. Hmm. I like that. Well, I think we're going to take a short break and then we're going to dive into heathenry as a uh, intro lesson for everybody. Um, Just as a warning, this may be um, pretty heavy and it might be kind of long. So stay tuned. Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. Listeners like you can gain great benefits from your favorite show, such as... At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank you card in the mail with a Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. And we are back. Uh, so we just kind of went over the uh, coming witch story with uh, with Tasha. Um, so I know we're, we're kind of uh, going into a little bit more of the, uh, the ancestral lore of heathenry. So... Before before we get into the ancestral part of it, I really would just like to go over kind of like a general overview of what heathenry is and what yeah. heathenry isn't. Okay. Um. So heathenry, first and foremost, is following the old Scandinavian religions, um, and that's like Iceland, uh, Norway, Sweden, um, and you know just Scandinavian countries in general. Um, they all pretty much in the Viking Age, followed the same spiritual path, which um, has Odin as, like, the the main main god, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Uh, something that it is, is inclusive. Because um, when you actually look at it historically, um, the Vikings, you know, they... Well, Viking as kind of the modernized term for it, although... Viking is not what they were called. It was actually a uh, something that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of a more of a title than a right. than a race. Right. Well, it was so, an yeah. action. Yeah, yeah an like action. The, to to yeah. go Viking is to go mm-hmm. um, uh, r- relieve people of their items. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to go raiding. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, uh, so. But what would happen is when they would go raiding, when they would go Viking, they would be bringing back slaves, uh, people, um, and their different uh, cultures and items from their culture. And so, historically speaking, 
um, even if they brought back slaves from different countries, Muslim countries or Chinese countries, if they, if these slaves did eventually become freed, uh, freed people, they were able to be a part of the community. And so historically speaking, they were actually a lot more inclusive than, than they are being known for at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, which brings me to the point of what heathenry is not. And I know that we talked about this before. Um, there are certain groups in heathen, in the heathen community who are white supremacists. They are, um, they say they are clinging to their white culture, um, mm-hmm. and excluding anyone who is not. Right. Um, which is not what heathenry is about and not what the Scandinavian cultures were about historically. So I do take slight issue with that because of, of that fact that they want to say that, um, that you have to be of Scandinavian descent to be heathen. And that's just not true because of, um, how inclusive they were historically. Mm-hmm. Um, Something that's important to heathens is that ancestor veneration. Um, and we actually do have a lot of, uh, rituals where we will, um, will make offerings to our dece- our deceer, which are our female ancestors, um, specifically female ancestors. I-, I couldn't tell you why it's just female and not male. Um, that's just kind of the surviving text. Um, unfortunately, another aspect of heathenry is the fact that it is a, uh, reconstructionist religion. Um, and so we don't actually have a lot of, of texts other than the Eddas, um, to go off of. And so a lot of, a lot of heathenry is OPG, sorry, your own personal gnosis of, of, of your spirituality. Um, so a lot of it is kind of, we're extrapolating details from the Eddas and from the surviving texts and trying to create, recreate this religion based off of what we have, which is truthfully not a lot. Right. Right. So there's the Eddas and the sagas, which the sagas are fairy tale stories, essentially. And, um, there's some truth to them, but th- that's the only surviving text. And I know we've talked a lot about that with Izzy as mm-hmm. well. Um, one thing that I guess I would mention, we're probably going to go over this a little bit later, is that um, just because your ancestors don't hail from these heathen countries or the northern countries doesn't mean you don't get uh, to worship them in your own heathen practice. does not mean that you don't get to be heathen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when you start, one of my favorite things in the entire world is comparative mythology. And I w- I've actually gone back and forth with my mom um, on this because she's, you know, Christian still, um, where I she will tell me a story and then I will tell her a similar story um, a, hailing from heathenry that compares to Christianity. And really, when you get down to it, when you start looking into all of these different spiritualities, there are common threads and common stories. So my my grand big belief is that as far as spirituality goes, we're all really just kind of worshiping the same thing. It just um, 
kind different interpretations yeah exactly it's just kind Mm -hmm. of like there's there's so many different kinds of christians Mm -hmm. which can actually also translate into Mm -hmm. paganism um there's you know if christianity is the umbrella term then paganism is also the umbrella term yeah um but even at that same point like there's so much similarity um it's really just depends on how the gods depict themselves to um these ancient uh tribes and and countries and so it's really at the end of the day all very much so open to interpretation um one well, of i mean kind of one thing that i that i would see you know is how how would these people be able to interpret it be able to recognize and and familiarize themselves with these gods so they would choose depictions that would be very uh very noticeable very re- recognizable to them Right, and especially with with um, you see it a lot in heathen in heathen lore where the gods will go out under different disguises um, mm-hmm. and and change their their physical form. So you know there are times where Odin is not a a man with one eye. There are times where he is seen in the sagas has um, projecting a, a two eyed individual who. Um, you know, it's just, it's all very much so open to that interpretation and what the gods are projecting to you. And so who's to say that Odin couldn't have projected himself as God or Ra or um, any of these other various mm-hmm. um, spiritualities? So my, at at the basis of my belief is that we are all worshiping someone who is similar but the nice thing about paganism is it is tailor-made to the individual Mm -hmm. um which is another thing that i i really can very much so appreciate that heathenry and paganism in general is not an actual organized religion right you have slightly organized small groups and you can choose to be a part of them or not Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and if it doesn't if it doesn't fit with you, then it doesn't fit with you. And you're more than welcome to either practice as a solitary uh, practitioner or form your own group, right? Um, yeah. That will conform to to your ideals, and maybe your ideals are the same as that person's ideals. And oh my goodness, now you have a kindred. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we've so talked a lot about Odin, right? Um, but Odin is just the tippy top guy, like Zeus is, and and Odin has a lot of different fascinating stories, which we may or may not get into. But who else is involved? Um. So yes, Odin does definitely have a lot of stories, and we could do we could probably dedicate a whole episode, <laughs> episode. to Odin, yeah. and I sure <laughs> hope that we do because he is definitely a very very fascinating person. Um. Some of the other gods, um, there's quite a long list um, if you really get into it. But some of like the bigger ones are um, Odin, Thor, Frey, Freya, um, Bragi, Frigga, um, Baldur is a really big. Uh, he is a very key figure in Ragnarok and like the the coming of Ragnarok. Um, everyone knows about Loki. Um, um, not a whole lot of people really delve into, uh, very deep into his, his children, um, that he had with the giantess Angraboda, mm-hmm. um, who, like, they have three children and they're, they're well-known figures. Um, Hel, who is his daughter who rules over Hel, um, mm-hmm. her realm. Um, there's Fenrir and then there's Jormungandr, who's the world serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are just kind of several very big, 
people in in um, the Asir uh, group. Right, and there's multiple different levels of gods. So Asir is so the Asir are like they're they're kind of a a subgroup of gods. Um, there's also the the giants, um, the Jotuns, uh, like Loki. Um, he is not actually an Asir god. He is actually a, um, a he is a giant. He's a Jotun. Um, so, but he and Odin uh, became blood brothers, and so he is honored with the Asir um, at at the same time as he is uh, earned a certain level of notoriety for being a very mischievous person and who will eventually fight against the Asir in Ragnarok um, mm-hmm. with his children. Um, so at the same time as there are people who venerate Loki and, and can appreciate his chaos and mischief, um, there's also uh, a level of, well, there are a lot of stories where Loki and Thor and Odin are, you know, hand in hand and they're um, very close. Um, so... And then you have, like, lesser, well, I say lesser, they're not actually lesser, they're just not as well-known, like, um, I had mentioned Bragi and Ithun, um, Sif, uh, Njord, uh, Njord is the father of Frey and Freya, um, so there's just, there's so many, uh, different gods, um, the, on the other hand, um, you also have the veneer, and both Njord, Frey, and Freya are of the veneer, and they got traded to the Asir during a war between the Asir and veneer, and so each side traded three um, of their people uh, as kind of like a peace treaty. Hmm. And what are the veneer? So the veneer, and this is this actually does kind of delve into um, history a little bit more. Um, the, the common folk in Scandinavia, the farmers, the, the, just the boatmen, they are much more likely to, um, venerate the veneer because the veneer are very much so, uh, they're elves, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, they are, uh, they are the land whites. They are the keepers of the earth. Um, the gods, they're a little bit more, uh, the Asir gods, they're a little more into the Asir politics. And, um, when you actually see into the Asir, um, myths and legends, you can actually kind of see that they're, they're a little, they're, they're very human, mm-hmm. um, because they're a lot more about what's going on in their world. Um, the veneer are more about taking care of the world. So they're a little bit more of like the druidic side of Scandinavian um, lore historically. So when you're putting out offerings to land whites or to um, the elves or the dwarves there, you're, you're actually doing more of a Vanatru um, type of, of heathenry mm-hmm. um, because you have your Asatru who are dedicated specifically to the Asir gods. You have the Vanatru who are dedicated specifically to the Veneer. Um, you have Odinist, um, Theodism and like the tribalist folk heathens, which is why, uh, I definitely appreciate heathenry as an umbrella term more because I am, 
I am not dedicated to the Asir or the Veneer, like, exclusively. And I just, I, I believe that you shouldn't pick one over the other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I like that. It's more of a, more, more of like, like you said, like an, like an umbrella, uh, an umbrella worship. Exactly. Right. It's, it's wor- it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter which side of the line you're, you're, you're reaching out to. It's whoever's needed for that, for that specific ritual or that specific reasoning. Exactly. So if you're, if you are wanting a good harvest, you can absolutely put out an offering to Freya and Freya, who are typically um, the gods of fertility, but also understanding that they are also not a seer, they're veneer, mm-hmm. um, even though you are worshiping them as a seer gods. But at the same time as you're putting out an offering for them, worshiping them as the Asir, you would also put out an offering for the the veneer, the land whites, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I did when I was creating my rune set because I I would have much rather I decided that I would rather make my runes than buy them. It was a much more it creates a much closer bond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tree that I had picked was near Native American land, um, and so instead of putting out like apples or 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 honey or something that you would be able to put out in Scandinavian cultures I thought about what the specific land whites of the area would prefer and so I kind of decided that the more appropriate offering for my uh, particular rune making ritual was corn and sage Um, and so I was trying to be super respectful towards the land whites of the Native American land I like that. It's it's a little bit like like we said before, a little bit more inclusive, and it kind of it, it kind of spans that um, that that ancestral plane as well. Exactly, like and understanding mm-hmm. that uh, that the Scandinavians aren't the only people that have ancestors and, and land whites that are tied mm-hmm. to the land, um, and like you said, being inclusive with the Native Americans and uh, making sure that their land whites and their gods and their um, ancestors are being appropriately respected mm-hmm. in the way that they would have expected. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we mentioned that there's a couple of different things that fall under the umbrella of heathenry. So Asatru are people who only dedicate themselves to the gods of the of the Acer. Yes. And then you said um, Venetru. 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 So they specifically work with the um, spirits of land and um, like more like your house spirits and things like that. Like that? Yes, exactly. Um, So historically, you would actually have a much closer relationship to your Venetru land whites Mm -hmm. as opposed to the Asir um, because the Venetru... the land whites would be a part of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I heard a lot about, like, most everyday person isn't going to go and worship Odin because Odin is a king of gods and god king, and he's not going to care about the serfs. But the kings and those higher up would be like, okay, now I do I do worship Odin because he understands what I'm going through, what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, that being said, the serfs could definitely look to Odin because 
um, even though Odin is is a warrior god, he is a warrior king, um, something that he values just as much, if not more than strength, um, is, is wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so any any serf, any any person seeking greater wisdom than they have is is actually venerating Odin, whether they know it or not, because Odin is is the great um, traveler. He's the wisdom collector. He sends Hugin and Munin out every day to collect knowledge mm-hmm. um, and bring it back to him. And and so his, it seems when you look into his his myths um, that there's a lot less fighting on his like be like he does a lot less fighting and a lot more collecting knowledge. So is there another, um, I heard of, uh, Odinists. So are they just caring about Odin or do they care about other Asatru? So from my understanding, um, Odinists, they are specifically devoted to Odin. Um, people that claim Odinist, I find that 98% of the time are also the people who are associated with neo-Nazi groups and white supremacist groups. And so I tend to steer clear of Odinists and theod- you know, people studying theodism, um, who, which is also kind of un- lumped in with Odinists. Um, I tend to steer clear of that a little bit, um, because of that reason. Right. Um, my, son is half Hispanic. And so I, I don't appreciate people telling him that he can't be a proper heathen because of it. Um, so they, they do worship Odin specifically, Mm -hmm. um, but they're much more likely to be less inclusive. Of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I know that that's why we treaded so lightly on this topic, because I know that bothers me personally. I know it bothers, obviously, Jara personally. Mm. Um, there was one time I was listening to another podcast, not mine, obviously, and um, they were at an event, and this one woman was describing her experience first diving into heathenry and how um, people would tell her that she could not have had an interaction with Odin because she was black. And I actually started crying like could not help but tear and cry because of exactly what we talked about before in the past they would have been traveling and meeting all these different people they're not going to proselytize that's a christian thing but they're not going to be secretive about their beliefs or religion and they're going to have these conversations if you've ever watched the show vikings there's one pivotal moment where floki walks into a mosque and he's like they're obviously so extremely devoted to what they are dealing with, but there are no idols here. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's no idols here. And that doesn't make sense to him because in um, the Northern traditions, there are idols that you worship. There are representations. The gods are present in their idols. And um, he actually stopped them from raiding in the mosque. He's like, nope, nope. This is a place of nice worship. We're not going to do that. We wouldn't want that to happen to us. Back the fuck out. Being essentially a priest in his community, that was a, a good moment for me to watch. Mm-hmm. It was, and I will, I will admit to being a really big fan of that show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I they do condense a lot of the a lot of the uh, historical lore mm-hmm. um, 
they condense it down a lot. And so like a lot of stuff that actually took hundreds of years is being condensed down into like a like 40 Lifetime. to 60 year period. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like it's just so, so fascinating to, to see how all of this did take place. Um, and that moment with Floki in the mosque was, was honestly very fascinating to me because while yes, it is a place of worship, it, they also in previous seasons walked into a monastery and raided and killed the priests. And so it mm-hmm. just shows like a very interesting contrast mm-hmm. where I think it touched something deeper. Um, then, then just, hey, this is a place of peace and this is a place of worship. Um, the, it just seemed like he wanted to learn more about what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Which is also a very, um, heathen thing to do because we just want to learn. We want right. to learn everything we can. And what uh, we learned from the Christians at yeah. that point is that, hey, you guys want to kill us. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you guys want us to, to, um, to renounce our gods and and these people they just want to live in peace they're not trying to force force their beliefs on us we just you know so maybe we'll just be as respectful to them as they're being to us um Mm -hmm. type thing to Um, an extent we still need food and slaves and stuff but you know at least you haven't stabbed us yet right you didn't stab us first Yeah, right. I, i was gonna say it's a very very odin thing to do is like okay this is something that's new I want to. I I need to know more about it. Hold up. Like, Stop the raid. Like, wait a second. You're yeah. not going to mess with my learning. Yeah, <laughs> I need my education first. <laughs> so I, I know we were kind of we we of course touch on the topic of um, being inclusive as uh, as heathen. Now something that uh, I mean we we've talked about on the on the show before, of course, the LGBTQ community. Right. And I kind of, I, I was kind of wondering because I know I have some, some friends who, who have actually asked me, where does, where does the, where do heathens stand when it comes to their community? Now, the one thing that I can say for certain is that there is no official standing on the LGBTQ community in heathenry. It's really going to depend greatly on the, on whatever group you are. Um, uh, trying to attach yourself to like the Austro Folk Assembly is probably not going to be inclusive, mm-hmm. um, but they're also um, have been recently taking a more bigoted direction. Um, so they're also not being inclusive to to very many people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, they so really my response and uh, to to the question of your friends is it depends on the heathen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are absolutely heathens out there who are a part of, of that community. And there, I have met some, um, trans heathens and I, me, myself personally, uh, I welcome it. I think that the more, um, diverse group we have, the more we have to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, um, but then there's also like Topher Henry. I, he is the president of the Ossetru community, um, he has also uh, voiced a positive opinion about the commu- about the LGBTQ community um, taking part in the heathen um, community, and so, like I said, it really just kind of depends on the heathen. 
yeah. in the group. Um, I will, you know, jumping back to the History Channel's show Vikings, um, they do depict Lagertha as having a female lover um, in Astrid. And so, and there have been texts that I have read about um, Scandinavia, you know, in, in their history, where uh, when a woman, you know, gets married to a man and produces children, like, once they have uh, done their part, so to speak, mm-hmm. in in bu- continuing to build their community, they were allowed to take female lovers like the females were allowed to take female lovers um as far as as historically the you know the masculine side of things uh it was not necessarily um smiled upon for men to have male lovers although you know i would like to think you know like my blog is ain't tradition ancient traditions for the modern heathen and Mm -hmm. modern life means accepting that there is more like we know more now about sexuality and um preferences and so i think it's our responsibility to to create a space for our lgbtq brethren um to to be included right so my next question is where can people find more information about heathenry and different aspects and how are they how can they safely go about finding a group that will be inclusive to who they are um, there, so there are a lot of texts I have sitting in that corner. I have a, a book bag full of, of, you know, just some of my physical copies of books. Um, there, I would definitely look at the Austria community. Um, their website has a lot of, of books that would be available. Um, and they also probably have a pretty extensive compilation of groups that they that people could look into um also i would invite them if they cannot find the find a group to start their own group and to reach out to to me to to the austria community um to find out what they what they would need um to to be able to start their own community and to start the snowball effect of hey we're here we believe this too and you can't keep us out Mm -hmm. um because we want to learn too yeah right i agree like that well um once again repeat your blog's name for us so my blog it's on wordpress Mm -hmm. tasha baker ancient traditions for the modern heathen i try to take a look at historically what happened historically and how we can apply it to our daily lives. I am I am a person of this age. Sometimes I do not have time to to do grand elaborate rituals, but I do take my spirituality with me every day in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um and so I try in my blog to set forth easy ways that people can include heathenry in their daily life. Well, we have a couple of Patreon supporters that we have to thank, Um, but a big thank you to everyone who stuck with us during our break. First Patreon supporter is 
Lara. We've had her on the show before, so yes. everyone should say thank you to Lara. We have Cecil, Jada, and Tasha's become a new Patreon supporter as well. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So if you guys don't know, um, you should have heard an ad somewhere in the middle sposhed in of what you get as a Patreon supporter. We highly suggest you do so. You would Even at the $1 mark, you get to hear that great blooper episode everyone got at Yule. Mm-hmm. Um, so look out <laughs> so, for that. Sound guy T's over here just giggling. Yes, it, it was <laughs> Um, quite amusing even to myself so that's an important thing there um jara where can they find you uh, of course uh as always you can find me on twitter at jara stone uh and of course on my instagram haggard haggard cosplay uh which coming up here within the next couple of weeks i think it's on the uh on the 18th i'm actually doing a special event uh for the city of phoenix police department uh they're actually putting on a superhero uh cosplay get together and i'm actually one of the uh, one of the featured guests Ooh, yeah nice. so that's that's going to be pretty pretty awesome i believe it's uh called superhero weekend and mm-hmm. if you guys just look it up it's definitely on my instagram awesome well you can find me at autumn wolf uh, on facebook and on twitter and you can find me on wordpress at um iron wolf circle and then you can find us on Facebook at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Twitter at Pagan Pod, and Instagram at Pagan Pod. Pod. And I run our Insta, so you can also see pictures of Jara as Santa Jara there. Santa Odin. Oh, Santa. Santa Jara. Santa, Santa Jara. That, that, <laughs> Santa Odin. That was at the Alamo Draft House a couple weeks earlier. No, I didn't share those <laughs> pictures. You can find those on Haggard Haggard. Yeah. <laughs> and from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Mary Meet. Mary Park. And And marry marry me again. again.